Hello, hello, hello. My name is Deontay Garrett, a.k.a. Big Sir, here on behalf of Another Chance Foundation, here to keep you updated on what's going on with our prisoners and with our families who are being affected by this coronavirus. On behalf of Another Chance Foundation, we want to be the voice for the community and the prisoner. We seek to stay up to date with information and share with those behind bars and the loved ones who care for them. Another chance aims to be the bridge that keeps both parties unified. We must never neglect the prisoners of our co- country or forget to encourage the families in our communities that are impacted by the removal of said loved ones from their free world. We will do our absolute best to keep you all informed. And more than anything, that we all stay in prayer that this too shall pass. And with that being said, I would love to start this episode off with a word of prayer. Let's go to the Father. Father God, I'm just so grateful for another opportunity to come before you. Um, I thank you so much for who you are, um, the impact you have on so many lives, Lord. Um, so many people are hurting, Father God, that are in desperate need of hope, Father God, in desperate need of healing. I pray that you act. Um, I pray that people will fall at your feet, Father God, be in prayer and fasting and devotion to your word, knowing that you are ultimately in control, Father God. Bless this time tonight um, as we just dive into the things that are going on in this world. Father God, I pray that people will be helped, uh, people will be motivated to do the right thing, to seek to, to help those who uh, don't have anybody fighting for them at this moment, Father God. Your word tells us to fight for the prisoners, Lord. So I pray that people pick up their their, their weapon, Father God, and go at it with me, Lord, as we seek to really make an impact for those people who are incarcerated and to help the families that are affected by that as well. So we thank you for you. We thank you for your control, Father God, and lead us well as we um, embark on this endeavor to, to help people um, at the end of the day. So we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, just extremely grateful to be here tonight. Um, eventually we'll have a woman named Nicole joining us just to share a little bit about her story um, and what's going on, how this coronavirus is affecting her and those she loves. Um, so we'll get to that later on during the show. Um, I want to get on a little early kind of just to update you guys on, on what I've been getting from um, what we've been getting from a few inmates and, and what's going on right now around the world as it relates to the coronavirus. I know um, I read a little, little bit of this article I've been checking on um, recently coming out of Louisiana. Uh, the title is They're All Really Afraid the Coronavirus Spreads in Federal Prisons, and this is by Ryan Lucas. Uh, it says federal prisons are wrestling with the rapid spread of the coronavirus at more than two dozen facilities across the country in an outbreak that has already claimed the lives of at least seven inmates and infected almost 200 more as well as 63 staff. One of the hardest hits so far is the Federal Correctional Complex in Oakdale, Louisiana, located about a three-hour drive west of New Orleans. It's home to two low-security prisons in a minimum security camp, which all told house um, about 2,000 inmates. They all they are really afraid, um, says Andre Thompson, whose boyfriend Brandon Levis is in a inmate in an Oakdale camp. They feel like they're sitting ducks, really just kind of waiting to get infected because it's getting out of control over there pretty quickly. The waves are well founded. Five inmates have died at Oakdale. And remember, it said there are seven total. Another 22 have tested positive, as well as four staff, according to the Federal Bureau of Prisons. While hard hit, Odell is not the only federal correctional facility struggling with the virus. Nearly 30 facilities in the bureau system have confirmed cases among inmates and staff. The virus expanding 
reach has prompted the Bureau of Prisons, which runs 122 federal correctional facilities nationwide, to implement a 14-day lockdown to try to slow the spread. Um, so that was something that we shared last time as well, that they are uh, implementing this 14-day lockdown, and that was already implemented. Um, doesn't seem to be having the effect that they wanted it to initially, um, but just prayers that it does have some form of a good effect because there are people being affected by this. Um, I'll read a few of the emails that we were getting. This one is from Claiborne Colbert. We are on modified here at Forest City Low. They are sanitizing the kitchen and the units more consistently. FAM has shared that there are 28 COVID-19 cases confirmed in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, one confirmed death in relationship to it. Um, he just asked us, are there any more confirmed cases there? Uh, Donovan Wilson said no lockdowns here. Uh, he's thugging me. Another guy said it's crazy here. Well, I am. I'm usually a huge critic of what they do, but I can say that these people are doing the most they can um, in this open dorm. He said, I'm in Lipsom, Ohio, FCA Elkton. They have like 65-plus people that's in quarantine, two confirmed cases. What they have done so far is shut down our movement except get all the meals. They come by, check everybody's temperature. Every day, of course, just like everything in life, you're going to have some inconsiderate people that are sick and want to bypass all the necessary steps to make sure they don't go to the hole. But overall, I can't say that they are doing what they are supposed to be doing the prison. Thank you for asking. Make sure you guys are safe also. Uh, so that's just a few stories that, that we've been getting. Of course, my oldest brother is in federal prison as well. and He he doesn't seem to be as wary. He said that they're pretty much keeping them on lockdown. Like I said, every federal prison pretty much is keeping everybody on lockdown to this point, making sure nobody's um, uh, going out, they're not doing big group mingling um, as far as the direct time or, or the child time. Uh, the Louisiana cases are getting bad, but they're planning on moving them to a, another facility, which is causing some uproar because that facility is supposed to be even worse than, than the regular prison. And, and, and the guys are afraid that they're going to be like really sitting ducks once they go over there. So a lot of people are kind of in an uproar about this coronavirus thing because, of course, it's having a huge impact on our country as a whole, um, but also now it's having a huge impact on our on our prison system as well. And, and like I said, you know, I think that the biggest issue is we were so – we were already behind as a country. I mean, so it's just a trickle-down effect from that. Um, and now everyone else is being affected by that, including our prisoners who already have a lack of resources as there is. Um, and so it's becoming a huge deal. Uh, while we wait on Mr. Cole to jump on, I'm going to search up a few things. Uh, R. Kelly actually tried to get released from prison. Um, a few um, major celebrities have been trying to get out due to this coronavirus thing. And, and you know, they're, they're more so in the news now because of who they are, um, of course, um, but there are people all over that are really trying to get out. We speak to guys and, and women every day that there are some tough situations. Um, their cases should be coming up. I was actually on Facebook the other day checking out a story um, in one of the, I guess the governor or the mayor up in New York had released like 900 inmates, right? Um, and I was just going through and reading some of the comments um, and Believe it or not, a lot of the comments were of people who hated that decision, hated that 
um, they were releasing criminals. Um, and, you know, there were a few that may have been sympathetic to the situation, but for the most part, a lot of them just felt like it was a dumb decision. Um, but what we try to tell them is, listen, like, some of they're not releasing guys who are in prison now, bugging out, or recently uh, committed crimes. There are people, there are older people, 65-plus guys with underlying health conditions that really aren't a, a dangerous risk to society. Um, they've probably been in there for 30-plus years, 20-plus years. At this point, they're just completing the rest of their years to get ready to go home. If you choose to leave them in there, you're basically condemning them to die. It's going to spread through the prisons, period. We know it is. We don't. We don't have... It figured out on the outside yet, and, and so in a in a in a prison system where there are already a lack of resources, of course it's going to spread through there. I know people thought you know it was better just to keep them locked down, but but obviously that didn't work. Why? Because you got correctional officers coming in and out, going back home to their families. Now their families getting infected, but they're bringing it back in to the prisoners. And so we knew it was coming, and we've been saying this for a month now, uh, just trying to get people to act, people to do something. And I guess about a week ago, the Federal Bureau of Prisons finally put a 14-day lockdown on um, every prison, but clearly that doesn't seem to be doing the job if it's still spreading in Louisiana and people are still getting infected, and now they're getting ready to ship them over to wherever they're shipping them to, some some random site camp that they have that, that the prisoners aren't very confident that they'll be safe there um, because of the condition that is kept in. So, you know, I feel for them. I fear for them. Um, and I pray that God's hand is on that situation. Um, but, but I'll read a little bit more about this story or one comment that was made on just the location that they're taking out. If I can find it, but it says the level of anxiety is ramping up daily. Daily, uh, we are the epicenter of the pandemic for the girl, uh, says an inmate. This virus um, is no respecter of persons. It doesn't care if you are a staff member or an inmate, and that's the dangerous nature of what we're dealing with. Um, so, that, I mean, these are prisoners that are really afraid um, for their lives, and they can see that the leadership in the prisons doesn't have any really clear understanding of what to do. And like I said, that's because really nobody in the world <laughs> has a really clear understanding of what to do. Um, and, and, and here's a challenge, you know, as the hospitals, um, you know, our health centers fight to get masks, fight to get gloves and stuff like that. Are we giving that kind of stuff to the prisons? And a lot of times they're not getting it. They're underfunded, some of them, in, but the federal prison should be fully funded. So I'm not sure why they're not getting that kind of stuff. And maybe some of them are, um, and just a few aren't at this point. But just another, something another prisoner uh, was saying. He says, I asked him, um, I asked him, are they wearing gloves and masks? He said that you might see a CO with a mask on for a couple of hours, then you'll see them later and they don't have it anymore. Uh, referring to the corrections officers. As of late March 29, the day after the first Odell inmate died from COVID-19, Fugit and some 30 other inmates were still allowed to congregate together in the common area in their part of the lockup. He said, everybody is touching everything. He says, uh, Lucifer said, and I asked him, have you all had a class on that? Have they come out to talk to you about what to do, what not to do, what can help protect 
How can you protect yourself? And he said, no. As the total virus has mounted, the Justice Department has taken a series of steps to try to ease the burden on the system. The latest came last Friday when Attorney General William Barr ordered the Bureau of Prisons to shift more inmates to home confinement and to speed up the release of high-risk inmates, particularly those at Oakville and two other hard-hit facilities. The Bureau said it has moved 566 inmates to a home confinement since March 26. Now, there are about 2.3 million inmates in the system, um, so they moved 566, um, just to kind of give you a uh, number. It adds that is immediately reviewing all inmates who COVID 19 risk factors to determine who meets the criteria set out by the Attorney General. Um, that has provided a glimmer of hope to some inmates, including Levi's uh, and Fugit, of getting out of Oakdale and hopefully the virus reach. So, what they're doing, in a sense, the Federal Bureau of Prisons is they're really, instead of doing a mass release of uh, all prisoners everywhere. Um, what they're doing is when it when it hits, when it becomes a hot spot in a certain prison, then it seems like that's when they're going to start releasing people and sending people home and stuff like that. So, um, if if you're one of the people that I file for compassionate release, I file for compassionate release for my brother. Um, he sent it in as well. I'm sure plenty of families are sending it in now to try to um, take care of their loved ones. But in my brother's situation, just so you know, my brother is suspected to get out this month or the next anyway. Um, and so my brother's going to want to see my grandma. My brother's going to want to see my mom. My brother's going to want to see family. And, and, and the fear of it is, it's like, man, he's already getting ready to get out. Don't let him sit in there, catch this disease, and then come out and bring that disease to somebody else because it's unsanitary where he is. Um, so... So that's that's what a lot of people are saying. If there are people already going to get out and you have that disease in your prison, which it is where he is, then you need to go ahead and release those people because you don't want that to spread and bring it back to the outside. And that's the that's a huge fear. I know there are people like leave them in there, don't don't release them, da da da. But you got to understand that there are some people that are going to be released out of there. Period. And if you don't start releasing those people. Um, when they get out, when they're supposed to, um, and they have that virus, we may stop the virus on the outside, but once they have it and they come back out with that virus and it starts to spread again, then you're like, well, maybe we should have did something different with our prison. We don't want to get to that point. We want to handle it now. When we were speaking a month ago and we were asking the Federal Bureau of Prisons to make a decision, they should have put the 14-day ban on a month ago. It shouldn't have got to the point where you had seven inmates dead, ton of inmates uh, already got the virus. When you first saw the first correctional officer come in to work with that virus, you should have locked down the prisons. You know what I'm saying? So I, I really salute Trump for shutting down flight to China. Um, I think that was a huge deal. If he wouldn't have been there, there's no telling where we wouldn't have been there. I know he always seeking glory and praise on the on his little talks, but he, he I give him a pat on the back for that. I don't know what else he's doing, but he can get a pat on the back for that. When he acted right there, I think he saved a lot of lives. And I think that the, the Federal Board of Prisons can save a lot of lives as well if they start releasing people because they're already behind the ball as far as the 14-day lockdown. You should have been doing that. Right now, it's already spreading in your prisons. All right, so now let's start to make a change. I think the state and jail levels are 
are releasing a little bit more, um, which I understand that. But the Federal Bureau of Prisons, they got to start to act a little bit more because and you can see the spreading in their prisons. So so now what do you do? You got those older people, 65 plus. Um, you got those with, with great health issues. You need to just release them, put them on home confinement. That's what that's what most people are doing anyway. They're not just free. They have to go be at home, probably got an ankle monitor on. I mean, there's ways to do it. Like I said, there, there are pros and cons to each any way you do it. But at the end of the day, you have to do something. Um, and that's, that's really um, an important part of it. Like I said, we're supposed to have a Mr. Cole on. Um, so I'm just waiting to to have her on um, so we could talk to her a little bit about what's going on, where she is. Um, there, are, there are also several halfway houses who um, aren't really letting their people go for financial reasons um, because um, the, the prisons aren't really sending them bodies for the coronavirus reason. Um, so they don't want to let the people go because they're being paid for those people to be there. Um, so they're confining people to stay um, in the halfway house who could be sent home. Um, some of their dates are already up, and some of the coronavirus is already spreading in some of them. So we're in contact with people like that as well um, who who are um, being, I guess, confined in the halfway house, not allowed to work, not allowed to um, continue on in their life and, and get out and, and go home. So. We'll have people on to, to just talk to and hear their story and hear what um, what's going on in their life, how this coronavirus is affecting them. Um, and so that's that's who Nicole um, is, and, and I, I'm prayerful that she really joins this call tonight because um, her story is great. I mean, we really want our listeners to hear it. Waiting to hear back right now from one of our um, directors at Another Chance. But just to keep searching and, and all, all other stuff that's going on, Louisiana is really a hot topic now when you when you go to looking up stuff about jails and prisons and stuff like that. But I mean, California is is another huge um, huge one. Coronavirus is spreading through California prisons. There are fifty three correctional officers um, that test positive, which is what we knew. Uh, we knew that. You know, it was going to come in through a correctional officer, right? The, the inmates aren't going in and out. They did shut down visits pretty quick. Um, I will say that. But they didn't do the 14-day lockdown, no movement kind of deal. It took a while for them to get to that point for some reason. I'm not really sure uh, why, but it definitely did. Let me check on this. situation like what I was talking about earlier. So she may have had to turn her phone in, um, and she may not be able to join us tonight. We're trying to figure that out now. 
But if that's the case, you know, we'll definitely um, bring her back on at some point in time um, to really, so she can share a story with you guys. That's most important. We really want people coming on here, sharing their story with you all so you know what's going on around the world, um, not just from another chance. You, you hear from other people, real people, um, dealing with real struggles and Mrs. Coronavirus. I know um, people who have been laid off, um, who have no source of income coming in. I know people ragging on this stimulus check, but there are people who really need that stimulus check. And so uh, I'm grateful for all the financial stuff that, that the United States is able to do. I really feel for other countries who just don't have that kind of uh, money to, to dish out to their people. Um, and, and so right now she's actually talking to the chief of security, Mr. Cole. I'm not sure if she'll be able to join us tonight or not. Um, like I said, I I really do feel for those people who, uh, who who are not able to to really help their country the way the United States can, and, and there may be some of you that say well, the United States isn't doing much, um, but um, I think the fact that they're sending out that kind of money and nobody's gotten it yet, I understand. And, and, hey, I'm prepared that we'll get it. I'm gonna stay positive in the midst of this. Uh, one thing, man, God has been teaching me a lot is. I can grow in this situation. Um, and I hope that you see that too. Um, you, one thing we got to understand is um, God does some of his best work in the midst of chaos. Um, and that's what we're in. You know, a lot of us are, are living day to day at this point. We're struggling. Um, depression is an all time high. Um, domestic violence is going up because people don't know how to actually live together. Um, and God is, has removed tons of distractions from our lives. Um, and, and, and what he says is now you have time to talk to me. Now you have time to get to know me. Um, and so what do you do with that time? Um, I think we should be in prayer. I think we should be um, really taking advantage of the time we get to spend with our loved ones. Um, and I know there are some people that are not taking these coronavirus seriously. I talk to almost at least one of them every day. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, from a young guy's perspective, I'm 26, right? I'm I'm pretty healthy. I work out pretty much every day or every other day. And I was the guy that was like, I I get it. It don't matter. You know, I'm good. Um, but here's what changed my mindset about the coronavirus. One of my close friends, who I consider a brother, his nephew ended up getting the disease. Uh, well, not he. They thought he had it, um, and they thought he had it, and I'm, I'm answering a call from one of my staff. Um, they thought he had the disease, and, and uh, it really shocked me because I knew with all the health issues that he had already, if he got this coronavirus thing, it, it, it wasn't no chance of him living, you know. And I just started thinking about my my friend, um, who's more like my brother, and just the impact that it had on him. And his mother, who cared for that nephew, and you know her, she would obviously have the disease then, and his stepdad, and then his family, you know. So I just started thinking about it more seriously because it had possibly infected somebody I was close to, and it did. You know, my great uncle and my great aunt, um, my great uncle got out of the hospital. He beat it, praise God, and my great aunt, I believe, is still in the hospital. 
in Louisiana where um, it, it has become a hot spot. So I do know people who are affected by it, which changes my mindset only because um, if you if you're not affected by it, it's kind of easy to to look over, especially if you're young and you think you're good. But we've seen cases where 25 to 30 year olds are passing or are not making. Um, so it's it's a sad case if if we're not if we're not um, wise, we're not um, aware. And so I, I definitely pray for those who are high risk. Um, but I think we what we really need to do is is deem all of ourselves high risk. And once we do that, then we'll live a certain way. We'll we'll monitor the way we touch things and the people we're around a lot a lot differently. So. Um, so Nicole will not be able to make it tonight. Something going on where she's at, and um, that's fine. We'll be doing this every night, and yeah. So um, that's fine. We'll be doing this every night. She may be able to catch us on another talk. Um, I'm sure she will. Um, just pray that everything is going well where she's at, and they're speaking to the to the chief of security there because um, there has been some issues with um, the coronavirus spreading there. People are losing their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So, like I said, man, we're dealing with real people with real life issues, and this is one of those things. Um, so she's dealing with a real life issue at the moment. They can't make this call, um, and so therefore I'll wrap it up. I won't. I won't keep you guys any longer. But man, I. I want to end this with a word of prayer um, and, and just to bless the families that, that got to listen in on this. Father God, I'm just so grateful for you, thankful for this time. Um, I just pray for people all over the world, Lord, um, that people are, are truly understanding that you are in control. Um, Father God, uh, people need to be healed. I pray that healing is being done. Uh, people need finances. I pray that finances are being given. I pray that people are in your word, Lord, Father God, recognizing the need for you. Um, and in your word, we can see people desperate to get close to Jesus. There was so much desperation. I mean, the God's open to sin again, Lord, from that, um, from, the, from the rooftop, Father God. I mean, Jesus had to get on the boat and preach because people were pushing to the crowd just to get close to him, Father God. I mean, people were, were dying to get close to Jesus because they knew what he could do. They knew the healing impact that he had, not just always to be physically healed, People were yearning to get close to him to be healed and forgiven for their sins, Father. And so I pray that we understand that and that we live in a desperation to know who Jesus is and the impact that he has on our lives. He is the Son of God, and through him and only through him will you ever have the hope, you ever have the hope and salvation to know who Jesus Christ is, to deal with him for eternity, for the rest of your life. That's the only thing we can stand on. Um, and I, I just uh, thank you for you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, guys, I want you all to understand that like, the only thing that we can stand on, the only foundation that we can stand on is Jesus Christ. That's it. Um, I live in Tennessee, and a tornado came and tore up Tennessee, and then a few weeks later, the coronavirus hit. And one thing that I can tell you is, man, all of my stuff could have been gone. My life, my wife, my my finances, everything could have been gone. But one thing that this world could never take from me, and it will never be able to take from you if you believe, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Even death itself, he's defeated. And so through him and only him, 
are we saved? And we got to understand that. And if we believe that, we got to live bold in that. Um, so I, I pray that you take that word and you apply it to your life tonight. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Y'all be blessed. It's Deontay, a.k.a. Big Sir, with another Chance Foundation, the bridge between the prisons and the community, keeping everybody informed. Y'all be blessed.